the big brouhaha. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. You can't handle the truth. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. I'm your host, the Chancellor. Who are you? I'm no one to be tried for. That is all you ever need to know. Pastor Marcus Zill. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Hi. Today in the Student Union with Miss Martha Mitkus. Martha is the Director of Campaigns and Special Initiatives for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. How are you doing today, Martha? Good morning, Pastor Zill. Or should I call you Air Chancellor? I don't really know how I should be addressing you. Can, you. you know, we're not so formal. You can leave off the air part. <laughs> <laughs> no, just call me Marcus. We're, uh, but uh, great to have you with us today, uh, uh, Tell us what is the you have quite the title director of campaigns and special initiatives for the LCMS. What what do you do in your position? Yeah, it's just a lot of words. It's nothing really special. Um, basically, what it means is that anything that Senate and Convention, the Board of Directors, or the Office of the President deems important enough that we need to give it special attention and raise specific funds for. That, that falls under my purview. So I get to work with the Office of the President and communications and other departments to, you know, gather information and share that with the church and get people excited about the mission opportunities that we're doing. So what kind of things have you worked on and what are you working on now? Yeah, so um, I've worked previously for the Lutheran Malaria Initiative, and that was actually what brought me to Synod. Oh. And then from there, we've worked on the Wittenberg Project. And now we're working on the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. Excellent. So if the convention passes it and it's a special initiative, then you help try to push it and see it through to fruition somehow. Right, right. Okay, so so actually I, the Wittenberg if, Project. If, if, we, if we passed a resolution to say in the Senate and convention to say to build a, a wall around <laughs> Day's home to keep him from coming to uh, the office that day, <laughs> then you would have to do it. <laughs> if it passed in resolution, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if okay. that would even pass committee. You were a company. So, but, yeah. uh, no, I'm just playing boss. If you're listening to this, you know I love you. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so but tell us about the, the Center for Religious Liberty. Uh, so that's something that you're working on. Tell us a little bit about that, and especially... Um, well, real quick, let me back up a little bit. Martha was with us at the uh, Liberty Conference, and many of you who watched the video of the great mustache shave-off, Martha was the lady with the mustache, not a real one, that she <laughs> was and you kind of emceed that event. Um, I did, yeah. Uh, what was that like? You know, because that's got to be a lot of stress. I mean, here's President Harrison uh, thinking, I mean... He didn't exactly maybe want to, neither of the guys probably wanted to shave their mustaches, and they both ended up going. What was it like emceeing that thing? Yeah, you know, they're both really attached to their mustaches. And, you know, I, I struggled because 
you know, President Forky stood up and volunteered as tribute for President Harrison. Um, and for a Montana cowboy to shave off that amazing stash, that was really painful. But, you know, and then for President Harrison to be like, no, I got to do it. I, you know, I, he took now, this bullet for me, but did you expect what, I mean, did, did you know that Harrison was going to, 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 to sit down at that last second and still do it? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> he leaned over at one point as, um, they were shaving president Forky and said, I'm going to do it. And I said, no, you can't. No. <laughs> and he said, no, I got to do it. And well, so then he all did. I know is that even though all the students, I, I you started hearing these little chants of shave them both. <laughs> shave them both. <laughs> I did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the protest uh, culture among college students is very is very, very pervasive and persuasive. So. Uh, anyways, that was a really fun event, and you did an awesome job. Um, but tell us uh, about tell us about the Center of Religious. Tell what's going on with this. What's the what's the idea? Okay, and, so yeah, well, this actually started as a white paper from Timothy Gagline, who is the vice president of external relations for Focus on the Family, and he was being approached. Um, as an individual that works in Washington, D.C., as a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, why isn't the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod engaged in the public square? We've got all these great organizations and, and churches that are working, but the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is nowhere to be found. Mm. So he kind of you know, wrote a paper on why we need to do this and how we can do this and shared that with the church. And it was... Um, you know, it was accepted and a very positive response. You know, there are some of our pastors, unfortunately, that are not seeing the world and everything that's happening around us and, you know, kind of had their heads in the sand and saying, we're not being persecuted. What are you talking about? And it's really only been in the last two years that people have kind of come to realize some of the things that are happening. Wow. So this is, this is our opportunity, Marcus, to create a permanent Lutheran presence in Washington, D.C., to combat the issues regarding sanctity of life from conception to natural death, sure. biblical views of marriage, and religious liberty. All of which are insanely debated, and, and, and triggeration goes on with these issues on our college campuses, which is why I wanted to have, have you on today, uh, because... Uh, for those out there that think that we aren't undergoing uh, persecution, even if it's, you know, it's somewhat of a soft, it's getting harder and harder in terms of the level of persecution. It's not just a soft persecution anymore. But, uh, right, it's very vocal. But it, it is becoming um, almost almost unavoidable at this point and rather quickly. And uh, But uh, what's kind of a, you know, why... Why do you think we should, when you get around throughout the Senate and talk to people, um, and by the way, I noticed that uh, you were just in Norfolk, Virginia the other day, right? I was, yeah. Did you know that the day, this is how much other people are watching and tracking Martha's, um, Martha's transportation itinerary. Did you know that the Russians were 
20 miles off the coast of Norfolk. You had, Martha and I are good friends, everyone. And Martha <laughs> and I were texting while she was in Norfolk, and the Russians were only 20 miles from you. Uh, they must have been following you in this. In this uh, wow. In all of your. They're uh, concerned. Yes, they're concerned about this very thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, my power just must be so overwhelming that the Russians have targeted in on me. And so That's it's unbelievable. A good thing you got out of there when you did. But I digress, <laughs> like usual. But why do why do we care about this issue, or why should we care? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because it was nearly two centuries ago when Lutherans, you know, individuals for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, came to the United States seeking religious freedom that's guaranteed in our nation's constitution. Absolutely. So, you know, it started with these German immigrants that were facing persecution and chose to come to the United States to establish that freedom of their religion, to be able to worship and to live their lives and to serve their neighbors and to do everything that we, that we love and care about in accordance with the scriptures and the Lutheran confession. Hmm. They were just seeking that freedom. Same thing that we seek today. Although it's actually, you know, it's interesting um, that not only is this is our heritage with uh, why our forefathers and foremothers uh, came across the pond, uh, but those were mostly kind of inner church relations between Christians and being told that they had to be in union with, with those that disagreed who were Christians with with how we view the word of God today, I mean, just ponder that in a couple of centuries, how much more important is this? Because we're talking about the freedom to even to even speak as a Christian in the public square, right? Right. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting under this um, former administration, you know, they were really trying to change the verbiage from freedom of religion to freedom of worship, Meaning I can do anything I want to do within the confines of my church building. But the minute I step outside, I have to leave my faith behind. I have to leave my identity in Christ behind in order to be able to live my life. And, it, you know, it got worse toward the very end of that administration where they started reaching into the churches and creating mandates regarding SOGI laws, sexual orientation and gender identity. Mm-hmm. Basically saying if, you're, if your campus ministry is having a spaghetti dinner where the entire campus is invited, you can be fined for hundreds of thousands of dollars for not providing non-gender specific bathrooms. Who would have thought? You know, it, it's just kind of unreal. Now... This really gets to the heart and core of our um, our two kingdom theology, which which is why I'm always telling um, telling our our uh, college students and campus ministries that that we are so. This is as much as it's a little scary what's going on out there. Uh, at the same time, this is a tremendous opportunity for us to confess what we believe and why, and we our our doctrine of the two kingdoms really ties in very nicely. In fact, t- tell the story about, you know, going back even to the founding of our country, that uh, that we, we had some Lutheran influence on just, just how some of this uh, ended up in our, uh, in our Bill of Rights. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, President Harrison had been doing some research in his historical studies, um, and he found in 1821 a Lutheran pastor by the name of Reverend Friedrich Schaefer, 
who is dedicating St. Matthew's Lutheran Church in New York, which still happens to stand today, by the way. Um, he sent his sermon. Anything, but, yeah. No, but it's still, the church is sure. still there. Um, he sent his sermon to James Madison, the father of the Constitution and the author of the Bill of Rights. And he was acknowledging his appreciation for the two kingdoms. Hmm. And Madison was so struck by the unique and yet how on point this teaching was that he wrote back to Pastor Schaefer. And he was, he said, you know, he was extolling the due distinction between the two to which the genius and courage of Luther had led the way between what is due to Caesar and what is due to God. And I, you know, the interesting thing about this, Marcus, Mm -hmm. is that this is probably the most confusing thing, not only for society at large, but also within our own church body, where people contact us saying, we have no business creating a permanent presence in Washington, D.C. There's separation of church and state. You need to stay out of the government and, you know, we don't need to be spending money, et cetera, on this. Well, guess what? That wasn't developed in order to be able to protect the government. It was developed to protect the church so that the government could not come in and create authority and rules for the church, not so that we are imposing our beliefs on the government. And so when you've got people that are demanding that pastors turn over their sermons because they're talking about God's design for marriage between one man and one woman, or demanding that they do things to their church building to make it more comfortable for people of other beliefs, other than what our beliefs are, you know, it's, it is our right and our responsibility to stand up against the government in those cases. Well, and you know, and one of the things that's, that's so beautiful about that, I love that story about the uh, Pastor Schaefer and sending this to James, sent his sermon to James Madison and Madison's like, dude, this is really kind of good. <laughs> this Seriously, right? So here you have Luther right. developing this whole doctrine, the kingdom of the left, kingdom of the right. And Luther's not even thinking, well, someday down the line that this is going to somehow end up, you know, in influence. He didn't know anything. Luther never heard the phrase, the United States of America, you know, right, he never got exactly. to hear Lee Greenwood seen, sing God bless the U.S. I mean, he didn't, he had no clue, but yet he was faithful. Hashtag best song ever. <laughs> Just saying. All right. Just saying. <laughs> so, but it goes to show you that how, even though um, these two things, uh, in a way they're, they're separate, but they're not. I mean, it's not that... Not staying one staying out of the other doesn't mean that they can't have an influence. Um, the king, right. our king, the kingdom of the right, the kingdom that you know where where we live, move, and have our. I mean, the king. Why don't you tell a little, just a couple minutes? What's the what's the distinction between the kingdom of the right, the church, and the kingdom of the left? How how do you how do you explain this to people? Right. So you know, the kingdom of the right is is the spiritual kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there Christ established, cares for, and perpetuates His church here on earth. And you know, we we are so blessed that through His Word and baptism and the Lord's Supper, He forgives us, renews us, and leads us to everlasting life. And you know, we believe, according to confessions, that it exists by the power and command of God to preach the gospel and to forgive and retain sins and administer the sacraments. 
which, you know, that is our primary focus as the kingdom of the right. So why is but the we also the live there? in the kingdom of the left. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting. Um, there's a there's a verse in Romans, Romans 13, three through four, that says, for rulers are not terrors of good conduct, but bad conduct. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is got the servant of God to an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So the kingdom of the left exists to bring order when there's chaos, not wow, to coerce sure us against our sure conscience. We have a lot of chaos today. We have a lot of chaos. And instead of the kingdom of the left acting... Um, even even with good moral standings, let's not even talk about, you know, being being, you know, sounded in the word in the scriptures. But, you know, you're talking about just good moral character in our leaders. Um, you know, there there is a lot of chaos that's happening because of sin. And we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We by no means are, you know, perfect um, but we recognize grace and we recognize um, repentance of sins um, and try to live our lives to the best of our ability in, you know, in accordance with the scriptures and the Lutheran confessions. And so, uh, no, it's very well said. And, uh, but, you know, the problem, of course, I mean, so some people would say, well, we should stay out of this. I say, you know, we, 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 we need, I'm constantly telling everybody in camp, campus ministry, we need to be bolder in this regard because we not only have to teach our, we are not only in a position where we need to, to continue to educate and catechize ourselves, you know, continue to, you know, propagate the faith in the kingdom of the spiritual kingdom of the right, but we also can have an influence of helping people as Luther did, as, as, as Pastor Schaefer did with James Madison of informing the kingdom of the left how it needs to to be who God wishes it to be even if they don't recognize God as being the source of the natural knowledge and reason which should really predominate in that kingdom, right? Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because as we talk about the gift of vocation and um, as college students preparing um, to, de you know, determine how we're going to live out our vocation in our lives, you know, service to the government and um, our public service helps us in being bold in our faith. You know, there have been times where I have not been prepared. I have not been educated. I have not been articulate on how to stand bold when no, someone is attacking my it's faith. it's not so. It's totally true. <laughs> I am not perfect by far. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was at the University of Iowa working on my master's, and you're talking about, you know, a really liberal Research One Institute um, known for their academics, and I was taking a methodologies class, and we were asked to stand up and talk about, you know, what motivates us, what moves us to do what we do. And this woman stood up 
uh, young woman stood up in the class and said, I'm a lesbian and that's what embodies me and it makes me, you know, act this way and make these decisions and et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is my opportunity. And I stood up and I said, I'm a Christian and this is what embodies me and this is why I, I, you know, do the things I do and I say this. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't talk about that here. That's not allowed. Hmm. And I, at the time, I was just so taken back. This was the first time I'd had my church. This was, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. It was always my dad's church. I was always the PK. Mm-hmm. And this was my first opportunity to kind of spread my wings and grow in my faith in my own congregation and really get involved in the music and the youth and engaging with people. And so I was feeling pretty emboldened in my faith and really feel like I was growing strong and deep in the scriptures. And this was such a blow to me and a shock that, you know, I eventually left the program. I, I did not continue at the University of Iowa because I, was, I wasn't sure how to respond in an environment that is so liberal, you know, grew up in a very conservative LCMS house you know, went to public schools, but I grew up in Southwest Missouri where we prayed before every banquet, every basketball game, everything under the sun. And, you know, then to go to St. Paul Lutheran boarding high school in Concordia, Missouri, onto a private Christian college that was so ultra conservative to then go to super liberal society And where I was greeted in Iowa City, my first week in Iowa City at the university, I started in the um, December, you know, the January term. And I was greeted by two lesbians standing on the front steps of the school, being photographed, of course, all over the place. And of course, there were tons of them making out, protesting the commercialism of Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. We, that was my greeting to Iowa City. Well, you know, Martha, we just have like uh, three minutes here left. But, uh, um, you know, this is why it's so that experience that you had, you know, just just a week or so ago over at Washington U, those of you in St. Louis, uh, um, college students there decided they were having the, a lot of these colleges have sex weeks where they have all these topics related to human sexuality and of course, it's all slanted towards one viewpoint, and our temptation is to stay away from that. And I've always encouraged them: no, we we need to engage people in this. And and so they invited one of my colleagues here at KFUO, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, uh, to speak to them on on campus in the student union at the Danforth Center on the topic of man and woman, the original diversity, basically an apologetic for marriage and human sexuality and it grew into this huge kind of there was this outcry it triggered everybody people tried to get them shut down you know there's always this and you know i just want to say we don't have too much time to talk about it but i i could not be prouder of i mean these young people um are bold they're faithful they're they're shrewd they show great heart They, they offered you know, and this is why we had the Liberty Conference. People ask, well, why did you go to D.C.? Are you trying to influence D.C.? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm also try- we're, also trying <laughs> of teach- we're also trying to teach our young people um, how to, to be faithful and be bold. Not because we're seeking to, we don't go 
we don't look for fights, but we don't back right. down from having the same opportunity as everybody else. That's the thing. We are not asking for any kind of special treatment. No. We just are asking to be able to live out our lives in accordance with the scriptures and the Lutheran Confession. The beauty of the two kingdom theology is that we can actually support everybody else on campus to have, even if they hate us, even if they have doctrinal differences, even atheist groups on campus, we should be saying everybody should have that right. Because as soon as you start pick, cherry pick, allowing people to cherry pick who they want and who they don't on a public campus. Uh, then the chaos simply spreads. Well, Martha, uh, we're running out of time. I could talk to you forever, my friend. Thank you for what you do and for uh, uh, encouraging all of us to be free to be faithful. Where, super quick, where, is there a website or someplace where people can go to hear about what you're doing? What the sure, they, go, they can go to lcms.org slash free to be faithful or lcms.org slash lcrl. And that can give them additional information and resources. Um, Communications is constantly putting up new things. But Marcus, really quickly before I go, the most important thing I want to leave with people, the most important message of all, is that we are marching from a victory. Our ultimate hope lies in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So keep doing what you're doing on your college campuses. And remember that your conscience is given to you by God. It is not given to you by the government. Absolutely. Amen. Thanks for being with us today, Martha. Have a great day, Marcus. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. Well, thank you for joining us today in the Student Union. Remember, college students, go to lcmsu.org because college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. <laughs>